0: Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right, everybody, welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin with you here today, as I am every Monday, and thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online where the game starts. We have got a great show for you today. First, we are joined by Adam Danker of Locked On Lightning talking about the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs as they prepare for the second half of the season. And then we are joined by Laura Saba to talk about the Montreal Canadiens and the future of Carey Price and what their new general manager will be doing as that team begins to retool and rebuild. Uh, In the second half of the season. And finally, Jack Bushman of Locked On Blackhawks joins us to talk about the turmoil surrounding that team and what we can expect from Chicago as we enter the second half of the season. Familiar face to those of you who watch and uh, listen to this podcast regularly. Adam Danker of Locked On Tampa Bay Lightning is with us. And uh, Adam, how was your weekend?
2: Uh, It's been a good weekend, pretty relaxing. You know, have to say, as much as we, us as podcast hosts hate not having a game on, it's kind of refreshing to kind of, you know, have our own little uh, all-star break where we get to refuel and get ready for uh, what's going to probably be a crazy second half.
1: Yeah, it's going to be uh, an interesting stretch drive. A lot of teams very close together right now in the Atlantic Division. And and I guess one question I wanted to ask you How important is it to the Lightning to finish in first place or after winning back-to-back Stanley Cups? Are they like, hey, if we come in second, if we come in third, as long as we're ready for the playoffs, everything's okay.
2: Yeah, and and I I think it's really on a scale of 1 to 10, if I had to rate the importance of winning the division, I would say probably it's a 3. I think that really... The mantra all season long, even going into the season was, and you heard it in every single offseason interview from almost every player on this team, was that let's just get in. And, and I think that's the right approach, given what this frequency of the schedule has been over the last couple of years. And, and really, it, it's it's scary to think about where this team is just looking to get in, and they're on the cusp of not only taking the division crown, possibly away from the Florida Panthers, but also winning the President's Trophy. So one would probably have to wonder what this team looks like with uh, pedal to the metal on the ice. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that really at the end of the season, if there's a week or so left and and they're about three or four points out of it, I think they'll go for it. But I think it's not going to be the end of, of the world if, the, if they don't finish at the top of the division.
1: Winners of three of their last four before the All-Star break. What has been going right for this team lately? I mean, it's been a very solid season to say the least 30 10 and 6 not bad in 46 game uh what has been the, the biggest strength for the lightning this year
2: their continuity and chemistry uh for as many times as we've seen coach John Cooper change all his lines due to injury and covid concerns it's pretty interesting to see how this team is able to just step onto the ice on any given night with with the different amount of players that they have on any given night. And really that goes back to them having a great deep uh, farm system up in Syracuse and be allowed to have a lot of these younger players be on their Stanley cup teams in the last couple of years. Ross Colton uh, last year, uh, we all know him scoring the game winning goal in game five to clinch it for the lightning uh, Matthew Joseph, who, you know, he's he's one of the on, younger players on this team, but has been in the NHL for a while, so you have that experience as well. And you have the luxury of a lot of these players, like I said, being in the, in the system for a very long time. So there's a lot of familiarity among this team, and I think that's their greatest strength uh, is, you know, just rolling with the punches and whenever a player goes down, next guy steps up and does their job.
1: And what is your biggest concern? I mean, you know, back-to-back Stanley Cups, obviously a lot to build on here. Uh, they've been there and done that. But w- what concerns you the most heading into the second half of the season?
2: I would have to say probably the fatigue. I, I It's definitely in the back of everybody's mind that closely follows this team. And and I, I'm sure that the players think about it to a certain extent. I'm sure Coach John Cooper thinks about it to a certain extent, especially with Andre Vasilevskiy. Even though he's still very much a young player by NHL standards, you have to imagine what these last two cup runs probably have had, what kind of toll they've had on his body. Uh, Coach Cooper likes to play Vasilevsky around probably the 60 game mark. We might see some of, we might see him to start pull back on the reins as we get into the the end weeks of the season. Um, right now he's looking great by all means, but yes, you would have to imagine even from top to bottom, even on the defensive side of things, you would imagine with Victor Hedman, Ryan McDonough, who has a ton of miles on him. You you have to worry just a little bit about the fatigue factor. So I wouldn't be surprised in the coming weeks. If you see some guys just get some nights off, uh, as long as they're winning games, I wouldn't have a problem with it whatsoever.
1: Talk to me a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you've got such balanced scoring on this team, seven players in double digits of goals. But talk to me about Corey Perry, a, a veteran who, you know, on a team like this doesn't make a lot of headlines, but still 12 goals in 46 games so far this season.
2: Yeah, uh, I, I've, I said it in in the offseason and I even said it when I to his face when I had him on the show. Probably one of the most underrated signings this past offseason that we've seen. Uh, I said to him that off camera, after we were done talking, man, I really think you're going to score 30 this year. And he laughed as if that was something that was out of the realm of possibility, but just having that experience is what he's had two gold Olympic gold medals with team Canada, a Stanley cup in Anaheim uh, rocket Richard winner. At one point in his career, Uh, the guy's got a ton of experience under his belt. He still has an immense amount of talent. Uh, He's still very much. I think he's, he's, not even close to the back end of his career. I still think we have a couple more years of very productive Corey Perry. Really depends on where he is if he decides to stay in Tampa or he decides to go somewhere else. I really think that he has just been an immense, just an immense uh, part of this team in, in terms of their long-term success, whether it's in the goal scoring, like you said, 12 goals this season and and a lot more to come. I just think his presence on the ice and around some of these players, we've seen a little bit of an uptick in scoring from Pat Maroon this year, which when I say an uptick, I mean four goals as opposed to maybe two. Uh, but just having that continuity between them with from their old days in Anaheim and then you have Pierre-Edouard Belmar on that on that line with them as well and, and just being having the ability and flexibility to put Perry on any line at any given time at any given point in the game has been huge for this team like i mentioned before with with the covid concerns and the injuries so really he has just been at sometimes a godsend even if he's not around the puck his presence definitely is, is given this team a lot of time and and opportunities to stretch the ice out and and it's translated into goals and wins
1: thursday is when the bolts return to action a possible Stanley cup preview with the Colorado avalanche, one of the best teams in the West. How are you looking at that game? I know it's a few days off, but, uh, should be a good one.
2: Yeah. I always love to watch the lightning play games like that against teams like Vegas. They just uh, recently played against them. What a fantastic game. Those two teams had, and yes, another Stanley cup potential final matchup against the Colorado avalanche. Uh, Ironically enough, my co-host, as some of maybe our listeners or, or uh, people watching on YouTube know, my my Locked On NHL co-host on Thursdays is none other than Chris Massilli of Locked On Avalanche, which surprising, unsurprisingly enough, we have not spoken at least once about the matchups <laughs> this year between our two teams and and expect probably maybe some jabs being thrown on Thursday's edition of Locked On NHL. But yeah, I'm excited. Just a ton of talent on, on that team. On, on both teams on that ice on Thursday. And really, you know, we, we just have the all-star break here in the all-star game. And we talk about all the talent that's on the ice at a given point, but I mean, you look at these two teams and one could make the case that these are both all-star teams as well.
1: Adam, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find you on social media and where they could find the podcast.
2: They can follow the, sh- the two time defending Stanley Cup champions podcast. Uh, LO underscore lightning on Twitter is locked up, as well as lock underscore lightning on Instagram. Give us a follow on YouTube and we are available wherever podcasts are distributed. So go ahead and follow that as well as give me a personal follow on Twitter at Danky Dank, D E N K Y D 8 N K. Love hearing from all of you. And I'm looking forward to uh, uh, the second half of the season. Unfortunately, as it stands right now, Barring some magical run by Islanders, it looks like we're not going to be able to meet you guys in the Eastern Conference Finals for the third straight year. But hopefully, you know, maybe next year
1: we can pick up the tradition where we left off. I was hoping the third time was the charm, but hey, like you said, maybe next year. Adam, thanks. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on all my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolutions to eat right thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the Puffs? Well, if you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puff puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow, they're fluffy, they're marshmallowy, they're not just a protein bar, they're a treat, and they're covered in 100% chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamony churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. So good, they're going to be your favorite. And all built bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, Puffs included. That's 100%. Real chocolate. They're low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They are better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to three hundred calories, but most Bilt Bar contain just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, only four net carbs, but they pack 17 grams of protein. At Bilt Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy, and I don't know how, but they pull it off every time. Go to built.com, use the promo code LOCK15 and get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED 15 for 15% off at built.com Hi, Welcome Kim. back. Hey, Laura, how are you? <laughs> welcome back Hi. to the Monday edition of the Locked on NHL podcast. We are free and available on all platforms, and it's great to welcome back Laura Saba of Locked on Canadians. Laura, how how are you doing? How was all story game weekend for you?
3: It was it was fun. It was interesting. We on our on our show, we've got a couple of ideas for improvement for the All Star Game, but we, we thought it was interesting, and we liked that there were new events that they added in for uh, you know Vegas specific events. We really liked that city hometown aspect of it, and I hope we see more of that in the future.
1: I agree. I, I think they did a nice job, sort of specializing it to that. that fountain thing was great. <laughs> I mean, that was uh, unique to say to say the least. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I, I, I definitely liked it. And, and I sort of like this format, you know, because you can't pretend that it's a regular game. No one's going to check anyway. So doing it, the three-on-three, three, I think at least provides some entertainment value.
3: Absolutely. It makes it more fun. And it, you know, it it is for new fans. It is to attract new fans. It's also for kids to see their favorite players. But I think you know, you can kind of keep the, the returning, the regular fan like you and me, you can kind of keep our interest too, if you keep doing exciting things with it.
1: Absolutely agreed. So the Canadians, I mean, not, not <laughs> obviously the start they wanted to the season, 23 points through 44 games, only eight wins. What at this point gives you optimism that the second half of the year will be better than the first?
3: So I think with new management in place, it's going to take some time. It's definitely going to take some time. The last time we spoke I think it was when Jeff Gordon was hired um, and since then, obviously the Canadians have found their general manager in Kent Hughes, which is a little bit outside of the box. It's not way outside of the box. He's still a hockey guy but he's a hockey agent and he's represented players and they all have great things to say about him. So I do think that, you know, from everything that he's saying, he said that he wanted to take his time, assess the situation. It's not necessary, necessarily a tear everything down kind of rebuild. He, he does want to rebuild the Team. He does want to restore the Canadians to, you know, respectability to to not possibly not their glory days. You might not see that in a 32 team league, but a, a perennial contender is always the goal right for any for any rebuild. So one of the aspects of, of, of his initial sort of getting to know the team was going to be conversations with the coach. Over the course of this break, the Canadians had no games last week, uh, so they were off between Sunday and this coming Tuesday. So tomorrow. Uh, And uh, so there was plenty of time and he wanted to talk to the coach specifically. This is what he told the media, like he's been pretty transparent about this kind of stuff is he's going to talk about uh, sort of developing the players that are currently in the system. And he said something really interesting in his introductory press conference was that it's not development is not always just about a prospect. It's not about somebody prior to getting to drafting, to, to, to be drafted by the OHL or NHL or whatever. Development happens in many forms, and it can be ongoing throughout a player's career. And I thought that was really interesting. And the fact that he said that, you know, it seemed from the conversation that he was going to demand from the coach to get some sort of direction strategy, which is something that's been lacking. You and I have spoken about this twice already. There's no strategy on this on this coaching staff. There's no team. There's no direction. There's no system. Everybody plays like they don't know what they're supposed to be doing. They don't know where they're supposed to be. So I think the pointed words that Kent Hughes has used in his open discussions with the media, whether it's in a press conference or whether it's a TV interview or, you know, the Athletic got to sit down with him. Everybody, they like Pierre Lebrun, Arpen Basu. Uh Marc-Antoine Godet, you know, all the all the people who cover the NHL in Montreal is, as 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 closely as they do got a chance to speak to Kent Hughes. And he has not at all, you know, he's not committed to keeping this coach past the season. In fact, some of the subtle words that he's saying is finding the right coach, things like that. So I think that's going to be the crux of it because. The trade deadline is a little over a month away. It's about a month and a half away. We're expecting some players to be shipped out. I know the Canadians are getting calls on Ben Chirot. They're getting calls on uh, Brett Kulak. They're getting calls on potentially, we don't know, Mike Hoffman might be an option for a team that's looking for pure goal scoring uh, because he's a kind of player where he's not he's not going to be useful in a rebuild, right? If you can get good value for him, he might be gone, but if you can't, you keep him, right? Like he scores enough goals that it really has to be about the return. But you're also talking about who's untouchable. He's spoken to some of his veterans. He's, he's had chats with their future and what they want to do. Josh Anderson specifically has said he wants to stay. So he's kind of balancing that out. Uh, Jeff Petrie might be gone if there's a good return. But mm-hmm. if, if there isn't something worth the return, then, you know, we're still going to see him in a Canadiens uniform. But the point is, six weeks from now, this team could be completely different. But the one thing that does give me optimism is that this general manager is demanding better from the coaching staff and is demanding specific things from the coaching staff. And it's entirely possible. They, they said that they weren't going to fire the coaches before the end of the season. It's entirely possible. This is a theory that's been floating around. We've said it on our podcast. It's just a guess. It's a guess. It's not really anything that we've heard. But a couple of people that are also dialed in said that this might be an option for them is to bring in a consultant. So you're not firing the current coaching staff and you're not bringing in somebody and saying, okay, this is your new boss now. But you're bringing in a consultant and strongly encouraging your coaching staff to listen to this other person, whether it's a video coach, whatever they, you know whatever they name him. I think that's a possibility, but you know, he's got so much stuff to do right now that I think just that conversation with, with Dominique Ducharme or the many conversations, I don't know how many have, have gone on. I do expect there to be some improvement in the second half of the season.
1: You, you talked a little bit about who might be shipped out. What do you think that they are looking to bring in at this point?
3: I think they want prospects. I think they want uh, draft picks this is a season that they do not expect to go this badly. But once they're in a position where they are well within reach of that number one overall pick, and you know that this draft is pretty deep with talent, and you know the coming draft is pretty deep with talent, these two years are your opportunity. So if you're going to go all in on a rebuild, well, not all in. If you're going to commit to a rebuild without doing a full teardown, which is what you know he keeps saying he doesn't want to go to the Arizona Coyotes route. He wants to rebuild without you know completely gutting everything. Then you want to collect players that are young, that are either on entry level deals or the, you know, the the team still have rights to them, that have some promise that you can kind of develop into your Canadian's mold and your Canadian system, whatever you decide that is. And you're looking for picks. Like, I think, you know, picks are, especially for any team that's bad, you know that picks are a hot commodity because you can trade. You can trade up in the draft with them. You can, you know, you can trade uh, later on during the season if you see that there's somebody that you really have your eye on that could join your long-term plan. And I think uh, for me, he also needs to clear cap space because the Canadians are right up against the cap. And if you're going to try and instill a new kind of mentality, a new kind of, of system, a new kind of philosophy on the team, not only do you want to, like, give yourself a little bit of cap room to play with, because you might want to bring in certain veterans, you might want to bring in certain young players, you know, there's definitely players that I'm sure they have their eye on that are probably, you know, early on in this league, maybe there's not really a fit for them on a team that's a contender already, uh, or is, you know, is is, is full of, of, you know, players, it's, it, they have a good stockpile of prospects you want to bring in players that could be promising. So I think that that's essentially what he's going to look for. I don't think that he's looking for any rentals obviously. Uh, he might be willing to take some on that are coming off the cap in the off season in order to ship out some 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 players, but I think long term they need to fill up um, make some room up under the cap because right now they're right up against it and you know the Mark Bergevin left them with some contracts that are a little bit longer than you would like.
1: Last question uh, before we head out, uh, the goaltending situation. Do we see Carey Price? What is the latest with that? And and who plays the rest of the season?
3: So with Carey Price, he um, he said he had a – he talked to the media about a week ago. Uh, and uh, he said that the next few weeks are going to be pivotal in his recovery because he's had a couple of setbacks. Uh, after his surgery, he was able to come back and skate. And then there was a setback and then he came back to skate and then he had COVID or, you know, like a lot of the players had COVID, they locked them all out and he he himself confirmed, it, confirmed that he had it. So all of that progress that he had made was all fallen back. And so he said that the next few weeks will be pivotal to see whether he plays this season or not. He said he has every intention of continuing to be the Montreal Canadiens goaltender, so he doesn't want to leave this market. Um, but... I don't necessarily think that we'll see him unless the next few weeks go really well in his rehab and his, his skating and everything like that. And uh, right up against the trade deadline, we've got Jake Allen who's been out so far. He was going to be out for a total of eight weeks. And the, the uh, I guess the slated timeline was around the trade deadline. So we are going to see him again. But in the meantime, right now the Canadians are going with Caden Primo and Samuel Montembeau. They've got Michael McNiven, I don't know if there's any value in them trying to sign or claim a player a goalie off waivers unless it's somebody who's got an expiring contract this year just to have, you know, to fill that that butt in the seat, so to speak, because it's really not worth it if you don't know what your team and your system are going to look like in the offseason. What if Carey Price can't ever play again? I mean, that's unlikely based on what he's saying. But you might have to ch- drastically change your whole goaltending philosophy from scratch. So I think that, you know, chances are we're going to see Samuel Montembeau uh, and uh, Caden Primo trade off the the starting spot. And uh, when Jake Allen comes back, they're going to send Caden Primo down because I believe he's not uh, he doesn't have to go through waivers to be sent back down.
1: Right. All right, Laura, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find your podcast and where they can find you on social media?
3: So we are at Locked on Canadians available wherever you get this podcast, any podcasting platform. We're also on YouTube now, so you can find us on there. Just search Locked on Canadians. Our Twitter account is LO underscore Canadians. You can find my co-host at Scott Metla and you'll find me at The Active Stick.
1: All right, Laura, always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues its march through the playoffs right to the big game in a few days. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online where the game starts. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. So glad you could join us, and thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. The controversy surrounding the Chicago Blackhawks organization continues, but Jack Bushman of Locked On Blackhawks is finally here and ready to help us make some sense of all of this difficult mess. Jack, how you doing?
0: Uh, tough times to be a Blackhawks fan, Gil, but I- I'm happy to be finally on the show again. It's good to be chatting with you, buddy. So glad we finally got in a segment here on this Sunday afternoon.
1: Likewise, good to have you back. And, and look, uh, Rocky Wirtz with some, to put it nicely, controversial uh, reactions to a question from a member of the media this week. Why don't you fill our listeners in and and give us a little bit of perspective as to what this means to the organization and to the fans?
0: Yeah, I mean, for those those who didn't see it, it it was just an absolute angry tirade, basically, that Rocky Wertz went on towards Blackhawks beat writers Mark Lazarus first, and then also Phil Thompson later on. Um, But basically, he was asked a a valid question, I thought, and I had a lot of people who aren't even – Blackhawks fans necessarily just a lot of people from uh or, or different places messaging me saying that wasn't even like a, a question where he was trying to pry answers out of Rocky works in the organization or anything it was a valid question asking how the organization plans to empower players in the future to ensure a situation like this doesn't happen again where a player is worried that his status with the team is more important than his well-being because that's completely backwards so for Rocky to handle that situ- situation the way he did It was just, I I can't even put into words on how embarrassing it was, Gil, and for this to be his first real statement since the Kyle Beach lawsuit came to a, a conclusion not that long ago, I mean, it couldn't have been handled any worse, right? And for this Blackhawks town hall to be live on YouTube, people are watching, there's cameras everywhere, and for Rocky Works to have that kind of performance, I mean... It's unfathomable, and it was just it, it made me sick to my stomach, really, and um, not the first or second or third time that the Blackhawks have done that to me and a lot of their fans in the past few months. So uh, another frustrating situation. And uh, on the show, um, on Locked On Blackhawks on Wednesday, the day before or the morning before the town hall meeting happened, the first thing I talked about what I wanted to see out of this meeting, Gil was I wanted to see open, like an open and honest mindset into the organization and how it's going to be different. Because I thought that was the only way you're going to buy the fans back into this absolute dumpster fire right now. Give them an honest look through the window at what's going on with this franchise. Admit you were wrong and tell us how you're going to fix this both on the ice and off the ice going forward. That's what I was hoping to see. I did not get anything close to that. So uh, an absolute disaster on many different levels, and it's just hard to be confident that the Blackhawks are actually going to implement real changes and real progress here when that's the guy at the top of the ladder calling the shots, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, and and, you know, the thing is, what you spelled out, what you were hoping to see, would have been the best possible scenario. But in between that best possible scenario and what we got, there was still the diplomatic well, we're working on this. We have a plan in place. I'm not going to go into a lot of specifics, but we do have a plan. It involves, you know, some vague generalizations that he could uh, put forth and go on from there. And instead, of course, we got the angry tirade.
0: Right. I know it couldn't, it couldn't have gone any worse. And it's a shame really because the last couple of months, I, I do believe the people that were up there with Rocky, Danny Wirtz, his son, who's the president of the Blackhawks, and Jamie Faulkner, who is an outside mind that they kind of brought in to take care of some business affairs. I, I've thought they've said all the right things. And I've heard even Daniel Carcillo, a former Blackhawk, take what you will of your thoughts on Daniel Carcillo. I know there's very two-sided, well, basically two sides of the coin there to Carcillo. But um, one thing I saw that he said on Twitter was that every situation he's had and encountered with Danny Wurtz. He thought he was a good man, a, a good dude, and he said if there was anyone to fix this mess right now that's around in Chicago at the moment, it would be Danny. So take that for what you will from Daniel Carcillo. But I, I do agree. I thought Danny Wurtz has said all the right things, but this was just – I mean, for – the. the I know it hasn't been great progress. Obviously they've fallen so many steps back because of everything that's been released and what we found out about this franchise, but for the small progress they were making, it was just another huge setback for this franchise as a whole and how people view them as an organization. So yeah, just very disappointing on basically every, every level you can name Gil.
1: So where do you go from here? How does this team re-engage the fans in a positive way after all of this negativity?
0: Yeah. Ooh, that's a million dollar question. I know there's a lot of people who I've seen on social media who who are, are you know, whether or not it's honest or not, but they're even having the thoughts of contemplating, com, contemplating rooting for another team because that's how bad it is with the Blackhawks. So I don't know. It's tough because on the ice, it's not very fun to watch this team either right now. So um, I really hope that they make a, a good hire here in this general manager search that they're going through right now. Kyle Davidson, who's their current interim uh, for what, what I've been told by a, a couple of sources, uh, Blackhawks uh, insider, Charlie Romeliotis guy who works for NBC sports, Chicago, awesome fan of the show and awesome dude. Um, he's told me that it, it kind of feels like it's Davidson's job to lose. And one thing I've liked about Kyle Davidson, he was thrown right into the fire. One Stan Bowman was resigned and he had a press conference where he introduced Eric King as the new head coach. And for being a young guy that, not really many people knew anything about before being named the interim general manager. I was like, wow, this kid really handled this well. And from what I've heard too, Davidson's someone who kind of likes outside the box thinking and isn't afraid to go around the organization and ask people for questions, ask for their opinions. And I think that's the type of hire the Blackhawks need to turn this thing around, not someone who's, yeah, uh, they just need a different mindset because clearly this one isn't working. They also had an interview uh, with Eric Tolsky, who's an assistant general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, who's known for being a really good analytical guy and has worked his way up through through the pipelines there in Carolina. So uh, he, he sounds like another intriguing hire to me. Um, but I think, you know, they got to have a, a, a good place and plan from a new face a different mindset to come into this organization kind of shake things up because what we've seen for the last five or six years now clearly hasn't working the Blackhawks haven't won a playoff series since winning the Stanley Cup back in 2015 so something's got to change and uh, I really do believe it's going to have to become at the general manager position and possibly at the ownership level too while we're at it Gil
1: looks like you know the Blackhawks will not make the playoffs this year uh What do you expect with an interim general manager to happen at the trade deadline, if anything?
0: Yeah, so the Blackhawks do plan on making their decision for their long-term general manager, maybe within even the next week here. They do want the new guy to come in and kind of, not feel rushed in, into having to make moves because it's right before the trade deadline or anyth- anything. They want to get him settled, uh, get a, a grasp of this team and be able to implement his ideas going forward. Because a big part of that for the Blackhawks is going to be the trade deadline where they're probably going to be trying to get rid of some of their expiring contracts in the summer. Guys like Mark andre Fleury, who's going to be one of the hottest names out there on the market. Uh, even a, a veteran defenseman like Calvin DeHaan, former Islander. Ah, uh, could be extremely valuable to to a team that's trying to make a playoff push as well. And there's a couple of other guys along the way. So um Blackhawks are, are trying to get their new general manager is uh, in here as fast as possible. They're not trying to rush the decision, but they do understand the the timing of this and the magnitude that these next couple months could have for the organization.
1: All right, Jack, why don't you tell our listeners where they could find you on social media and where they could find the podcast?
0: Absolutely. You can find lockdown Blackhawks wherever you get your podcast, whether that be through. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, et cetera. You can find it anywhere. It's absolutely for free. If you want to check out my account on Twitter, first the podcast you can find at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. As for my personal account, you can check me out at Jack Bushman, too, where I'll be tweeting about Blackhawk stuff, golf, basically anything sports. You can find me there if you want to follow.
1: All right, Jack, always a pleasure to have you here. And hopefully, next time it'll be about something a little more positive.
0: Yeah, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed, buddy. Hopefully, we'll get some good news coming soon that we can discuss on the pod. But yeah, thank you for having me again, Gil. Glad we got to get one in here today.
1: All right. Thank you. All right. That's going to wrap up this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. Want to thank Adam Danker of Locked On Lightning, Laura Saba of Locked On Canadiens and Jack Bushman of Locked On Blackhawks for joining me. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Now make your next listen Locked On Bets at your one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets is hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Thanks again for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast. I will be back Friday when I co-host the Friday show uh, with Rachel, and uh, looking forward to that. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast.